Thank you, Ricky. So yesterday was one of those really hot scorcher days, one of the first of the summer, yeah. I know, because we were out here on the parking lot uh, passing out food to 178 hungry yeah. families in our community. And, and as we worked, it seemed like the, the sun got hotter and hotter and we sought out the shade. And, and towards the end of the morning, I began to feel a little bit dehydrated and delirious at times. <laughs> and it, it reminded me of a time when, uh, and this was several years ago, gosh, I was, yeah, I was uh, like probably 15 years ago, I got strep throat. Now, when you get strep throat as an adult, it's really a whole lot different than getting strep throat when you're younger. And, um, and nothing seemed to help. I mean, it was awful. I, I'll never forget that. And the medicine that they had given me wasn't working, and so I found myself about five days in, I landed in the hospital, and as I got there, because I was feeling so poorly, they said, can you tell me your birthday? And I couldn't even remember my birthday. <laughs> I felt so at loss, and, and that's, what, that's what dehydration, I learned, mm -hmm. does to us. We're starting this new sermon series uh, this week. It's called Braving the Wilderness. We're going to follow the Israelites into the wilderness, and we're going to follow their journey as they learn to become a people that is dependent not on a regime, but on God. And so today's story is from Exodus, and it is a story about becoming thirsty, yeah. about being dehydrated. And they've traveled for three days. They haven't found water. Their canteens are running low, and they get a little bit grumpy. And when they find water, it doesn't really turn out like they expect. Mm. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I invite you to open up with us to, to the book of Exodus, which is really just the second one in the Old Testament, if you need a, need a hint. Exodus chapter 15, we'll be reading from verse 22 to 27 this morning. Then Moses ordered the Israelites to set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah, because it was bitter. That's why it was called Mara. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he put them to the test. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give heed to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will not bring upon you any of the disasters that I brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they camped there by the water. Mm. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks mm. be to God. <clears throat> you know, this, this uh, first story in the wilderness, you, you can almost feel for the Israelites. I remember yesterday morning how tired and, and short-fused I was at the end of the morning not having had enough water and being out in the sun for three or four hours, not to mention three days. Mm. And you can imagine in the desert where water is, is uh, scarce, where water is a, a commodity, a hot commodity, a valuable resource, 
that three days in, their canteens might begin to be running dry. And they come to what appears to be a pool of water in front of them, and you can imagine their excitement as they rush up to the pool and begin to drink from it because they are so thirsty, and it says the water was not what they expected. The water was bitter. Some English translations say the water was brackish, which, which means it was salty. It was maybe a mix of sea salt water and fresh water, not fit for drinking. Now, water is supposed to be a thing that hydrates us, that gives us life to our bodies, but brackish water, bitter water, salty water actually makes us worse, actually dehydrates us worse than we already are if we drink it. And so you can imagine the exasperation as the Israelites reach finally a source of water, and even that isn't fit to drink. What do they do? They start complaining to Moses. And Moses turns and starts complaining to God. You know, it's only been three days. Which in the wilderness, in the desert, when you don't have any water, three days is about three days too many. But it's only been three days since God has parted the Red Sea and led Israel through it. It's only been three days since they crossed the other side and watched Pharaoh's army, the greatest military empire on the face of the planet, drowned behind them. It's only been three days since God led this ragtag group of runaway slaves out of slavery in Egypt and across to freedom on the other side. They have seen multiple times God make a way out of no way. They have seen with their own eyes and witnessed in their own bodies the God who provides for them. And yet they get thirsty, they get dehydrated, and they don't go to God, they don't complain to God. What do they do? They turn to Moses. And several other stories we'll read over these next couple weeks, they'll say, Moses, why did you take us out in the wilderness? Like, we're just going to die out here. You should have left us back in Egypt. And Moses probably gives those same complaints to God. You know, you can imagine living in Egypt right next to the Nile River, which is this rich and abundant source of water that is always there that you never have to worry about. You're never worried about being thirsty to leave that behind, to cross through the waters, and now to be in the desert where you're not sure where the thing that gives you life is coming from. You're not sure where the water that quenches your thirst is going to appear. You are totally dependent on the mercy of the wilderness and the desert. Now I can imagine they might be a little bit longing for a return to the Nile and the Egypt and the safety and the security that they used to know. And in the wilderness, they come face to face with their very real need. Right. But what is interesting to me is that God doesn't really lose patience with their complaining. Instead, God simply provides for them. When they come to the brackish water, God says, Moses, there's this piece of wood, throw it in there, and it makes the water clean again. It makes it sweet, the scripture says. They, they realize that God provides for them, but what they don't realize is that God is going to provide an even deeper need, a need that they can't even recognize for themselves, this spiritual need that they have not come to recognize yet. They are three days in, and God says, I am the God who will heal you. They probably didn't even know they needed healing. 
So I have to tell you, Ricky, the last 12, I really identify with them because the last 12 weeks have just really turned our world upside down. Everything that I understood about doing ministry, this has been a difficult time in ministry. Everything I understood about what it means to worship God, all of a sudden was turned upside down. We couldn't gather in person anymore. Now we had online worship before, but, but we never visualized that that's how we, our primary connection in worship would be through devices. We, everything I understood about how we disciple, how we make disciples was turned upside down. And if you add to that all the other challenges that have entered our world, such as the families, who, who no longer can hold the hand of the one they love who's going into the hospital for a surgery because they're not allowed in. The isolation, the families who have to say goodbye at the emergency room door as their loved one goes in, or, or even worse, they couldn't even hold the hand as their loved one was dying. All that among the increase of physical abuse and mental abuse that goes with a time and systems that have been stretched, like the economic system as well as social systems that have been stretched, and, and it puts such stress on family units that, that people are just not dealing with, and they don't deal with it in healthy ways. And then I've recognized that our nation has been plagued with unemployment and it's forced families to be in the food line, the same families that used to serve behind the food line and give in generosity are now the ones receiving in generosity. And then I recognize that even among our own congregation, I've heard people say, I'm tired of Zoom. I'm so tired of Zoom. I'm, I'm tired of all the, the ways that the news has impacted me in these negative ways as I flip on the station to see what's going on in the world. They're just sick and tired. They're tired of wearing a mask. They're tired of not wearing a mask. They're tired of being judged whether they wear a mask or they don't wear a mask. They're just tired of being sick and tired, really, right? And so I think that I can identify with the Israelites, Ricky, because it would be easy to fall into and begin to drink from the waters of bitterness, to begin to complain about our scenario, our situation, and then to give in to nostalgia, to give in to what we remember about what used to be, but what they cease to recognize or fail to Remember is that it wasn't always so good, even when they had plenty of water to drink. And so they have to learn to navigate these new voices, not the old voices that told them how things were, but some new voices that were on the scene in this new wilderness that they've encountered. Right? Yeah. I feel for folks, and I, I so resonate with that in this. For so many of us, there's, there's this... Um, deep sense in us that, that we we just wish we could go back, mm -hmm. right? I wish I could go back to February and the way that my life was living, being lived right. in February. I wish things would go back like they used to be. In a couple of weeks, we'll hear some folks form a committee and say, Moses, we're just going back to Egypt. I don't care where you're taking us. We're getting our people together. We're going back. 
You know, I think the reality is that, that we are in the same wilderness that the people of Israel were in. And, and, and having crossed over, there is no going back. As much as we may want to, there is no turning back to walk through the sea that God has parted for us to get here in the first place. There is no returning to the Nile and the land of Pharaoh and Egypt. But the only way through this wilderness, the only way through this desert is by, as God says, listening carefully. Listening closely to the voice of the Lord your God. You know, I, I think perhaps we have been thirsty for a long time. And the Nile didn't so much quench our thirst as it temporarily satiated our thirst, it disguised our thirst, masked over the deep and vulnerable thirst and pains of our lives that we were not even willing to admit to ourselves or even be aware of ourselves. And I think what happens in the wilderness is that God is in the business of, of exposing, of, of laying bare, of revealing the deep pains and vulnerabilities, the deep thirst that we have had for a very long time. You know, it's, it's in the wilderness that often our pain and our deep thirst are laid bare and we're, we're able to recognize that we have been in need of healing for a very long time. Whether it's the thirst of our bodies or the state of our souls, the God who heals is offering to us not just the water of the Nile, but this living water that is rich and abundant, far beyond anything that we could imagine for ourselves. You know, and so I've been asking myself, I've been wondering, Cassie, in this season, in this wilderness that we're in, what, what deep need and, and, and vulnerability and thirst might God be revealing in us? What, what place in us might be in need of healing? Right, right. So we're beginning to gather again, and, and people are so excited about yeah. that, right? And we're going to start gathering again next week. Uh, in person. Mm -hmm. We'll still stay on online as well. But as we prepared for that, we sent out a survey and people said, hey, I am ready to help. I want to do whatever. So this week, I realized that those questions of what have we been yearning for began mm -hmm. to come unfold. As I communicated with people who are excited about coming back to worship in person and who are willing to step up and and take the reins at doing some much-needed jobs and, and volunteer positions to help us do that successfully and, and safely again, I began to hear from um, people. They said, hey, put me to work. And here's the deal. During this COVID time, I heard from one lady says, during this COVID-19, it has made me realize how important it is for me to connect to my church. It has given her that deep longing that you're talking about, right? Another person uh, shared with me that they won't be here in the first couple of weeks because they had something else planned, but please don't forget them. They so want to re-engage. They so want to be a part of making this, this coming back together, this, this new time rich and meaningful again. And still others reached out to me and said, you know what, Cassie, I'm not ready to come back in person. I will continue to worship online, which is perfectly wonderful, but please put me to work. How can I help? How can I help engage people as they're worshiping online? How can I reach out and continue to 
touch people that might be new to us in worshiping through online services. And, and we've had people that have come to us, two or three that have come to us that didn't uh, know us or worship with us before we were online. I think you're right, Ricky. We've been thirsty for a long time. We've been thirsty, and we're looking for uh, the wilderness to help us find a new sense of of, of, of thirst, quenching things, meaningful things in our lives. But we've been thirsty for not things as they were, but things as they shall become as we go into a new time. Things are going to look different. When you come and you worship, it'll look different. It, our journey in the wilderness teaches us so many things, and it means that it's not the same usually it means that we have to give up some things to gain other new things and all of these different things can be meaningful and rich and help us transition those deep thirsty needs that we have yeah you know I love how this story ends too it's you know it's only been three days for the Israelites of what will be 40 very long years and for them, three days without water seems like a lifetime. And for me, 12 weeks of this seems like a lifetime. lifetime. But I'm reminded that this is simply the first season of many of this wilderness that we may be walking through. But, but at the end, it says, then they came to Elam where they, they found not just one pool of water, but 12 springs of water. Now you might say, Jesus might say, of, of living water. And 70 date palms, a feast, a banquet for them. And, and you know what it says? It says they camped there. They set up camp by the water. Not, they didn't establish a permanent residence there. They, they weren't there for the rest of the 40 years. But in the midst of their deep thirst, of their vulnerable need, the God who heals provided for them. Provided rest, provided healing, and provided the sustenance that they would need for the next stage of their journey when they would pick up their tents and walk on to the next stage of the wilderness over the next 40 years of their lifetime together. And for us, I believe that is what God is doing with us as a community in faith. God is laying bare the deep and vulnerable pains and needs and thirst of our lives and our world. And the God who heals is offering to us streams of living and abundant water to meet our every need. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.